Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Kelly Green Hour as we have preseason football action to talk about. It is about time. I know going into every preseason, it's like, uh, preseason, let's get to the regular season. This year is different. Without preseason last year, we actually get those three extra games to watch this year. I'm your host, El Jiro, and joining me as always is my co-host, Connor. Connor, the first half was good. Uh, we'll obviously touch on the game, but um, it was good to see Jalen Hurts and see Quez Watkins and see the guys out there at the link. Yeah, absolutely. It was awesome. I get into finally watch some football, something we've been waiting for. We've all been like falling for the camp hype and just trying to hype anything and everything up just because we desperately wanted football. And like you said, yeah, we'll hit on the whole game and we'll hit on our reactions to so far the training camp uh, news, reports, et cetera, that's coming out. But yeah, the the first half was definitely reason to, you know, not get too hyped and be like, oh, 17 and 0, here we come. But reason to believe, you know, we're not as bad as everybody's putting us at, like 2 and 15 and stuff. So so I watched the game with Shane and my, my thing to him was, my 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 take from the game is don't overreact, don't overreact, don't overreact. And then Jalen Hurts <laughs> made that pretty good throw to Dallas Goddard, and I was like, huh. Um, and then he and then he under or overthrew probably. I don't know if he underthrew it or if he overthrew it, but he should have threw it more towards the sideline to Quez, which would have been like a 98-yard touchdown because he was running away from the corner. And I was like, oh, that's a, that's a throw that maybe a Deshaun Watson could have made. So I I had it both ways. I overreacted. In like, okay, Jalen, that's what I like to see. And then I overreacted, and Jalen needs to really hit those throws. I know a quarterback that may be available that could. Um, yeah, so. I, I did see some people break that one down, though. And there was a lot of hands fighting. There was a lot of handsy stuff going on with the Steelers cornerback that slowed Quez up. So there's almost a thought that it probably was a dime. But, like, when the camera pans to Quez Watkins and stuff, you can kind of see, like, he kind of was like coming off of something. You could tell he wasn't in like a perfect stride like he should have been. Well, so. he, he wasn't, but I still think J- – so Jalen threw that more towards the inside. If he would have threw it more – if he would have put more air under it and t- a little bit more towards the sideline, it would have been a lot easier for Quez to run under it, in mm-hmm. my opinion. And again, this that's, is a, the, that's a throw and, that Donovan – that's a throw that Donovan was really good at making. Mike, Mike Vick was really good at making. I feel um, like Carson Wentz could really make that because when Carson Wentz threw a deep ball, a good dime of a deep ball, he could I mean, hit. Nick Foles could throw that ball too, yeah. Yeah, oh, exactly. But that's going to be the big decide, difference maker for this preseason when we do see Jalen Hurts. Is a lot of people do question how effective can he be in the deep game and in his overall completion uh, percentage like because we saw moments – last year but we also saw moments where we understood why he was only hitting about 51 percent of his passes and he look he has the strong he has a strong enough arm it's just a matter of putting it out there for like to to allow the receiver to run under and that was that was the one play um but again so like so Jalen was three of seven but he had two drops Rager drop one and Ertz drop one um so if they catch those you know maybe five of seven and they score a touchdown on that opening drive but you know we'll, we'll start with the starters you know I'm again, my whole thing is don't overreact. So look, like you mentioned, I don't, I'm not saying we're going 17 and 0. I'm not saying we're going to win it. Like we're going to run away with the division, but I do think that, that, and this is with 
a very vanilla, I think it was a definitely defensively, Jonathan Gannon called a very vanilla game plan. They didn't blitz. It was just a four-man pressure, and that's it. Offensively, you know, Miles Sanders didn't play. It was great to see Brandon Brooks out there. We still don't have Devontae Smith on the field. So maybe they didn't really go too far into their playbook, but I was encouraged by what I saw. Um, and so the Eagles can be better than what we think, but the record may not still be there. Only because, and again, in a couple of weeks, we'll go through our win-loss, you know, we'll do our prediction show, because we have like 16 days in between the last preseason game and the regular season opener in Atlanta. So we'll have time to go through our prediction show. But the while the Eagles may be better than what we think they're going to be, the record might not show because that home schedule is vicious. They got the Bucs, the, the Super Bowl champs. They got the Chiefs, the AFC champs. You know, the, the Niners who could be coming in with Garoppolo, could be coming in with Trey Lance who looked pretty good. Um, but we all know they're coming in healthier than they were last yeah, season. Exactly, because they, they got – we always talk about how the Eagles got beat, bit by the injury bug. They got bit hard by the injury bug. Um, and, yeah, we did beat them in, in San Francisco last year, so they're going to come in here with a little motivation. Um, we got the Saints coming in along with the division game, the Chargers who should be better. Like this home schedule – is like you you should win at least half of your home games but the, the schedule that the eagles have at home not counting the division games which you know they could easily win two of the three division games at home if not all three it's it's going to be tough for them to possibly win eight games win nine games win ten games just because of the schedule the team could be better jalen hurts could be show that he is a franchise quarterback but the wins won't come just because you're, the the schedule you're going up against, we we don't know what the defense is going to be at, even though we do think they'll be better now that they shored up the the CB two spot. Um, but yeah, it, it's going to be fun to watch. I, I'm I'm you know the one thing I, I I said going into the the preseason game Thursday is the Phillies did their job. They got me to football. Honestly, I I don't think the Phillies are going to make the playoffs. Yeah, they're in first place now. I don't care. It's football season for me. So they got me to preseason game number one. Now it's up to the Eagles to run, to take that baton and run with it, you know, for me. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I mean, I'm a big Flyers fan. I'm a big, I'm a Sixers fan. I'm four for four Philly, but nothing beats the Philadelphia Eagles. Nothing beats like just knowing that it's football season, that we're four weeks away from week one or three mm -hmm. weeks away from week one. Four weeks. And yep. that we're seeing like a, the preseason. And as ugly as sometimes it gets, like the second half was really hard to watch and pretty excruciating. It's good to see, you know, the first quarter, the first few drives. It's good to see football back and and to have a preseason is monumental after you consider what happened last season and covid and the fact that you know a team like san francisco may have been severely affected by the fact that their guys couldn't properly train and couldn't show up and have preseason games and stuff so it's good to just see everything happening and now that the game's going we're not hearing about the vaccines as much and stuff we're able to focus on football and what we're here for and that is nfl football and the countdown being on for an actual season of of the nfl again after i mean 
it doesn't feel like it's been that long because, like I said, I watch hockey, I watch basketball. Those seasons went probably four weeks longer than they usually do. So we've kind of it's been a weird year where you've had these other sports push really close into like the mandatory mini camps and then training camp. And so it feels like it hasn't been as long without football. But really, when you think about it, we haven't had football since February. So really, mm-hmm. it, it has been longer than what we may believe and what we may think. It, it really has been. And so so speaking on this this game, again, we talked about you know some of the good. Jalen Hurts, Quez Watkins, really good. You know, um, Somebody who I think, and you talked about, and me and you kind of have had this discussion about, you don't, he, he's on the outside looking in, but Jordan Howard had that. If, if Jordan Howard can make this team, it'll be for, if he makes this team, it'll be for one reason, his pass protection. He had a great block on the Steelers. I think it was safety or cornerback who came uh, blitzing in and, and just stonewalled him in, in the backfield. And I think I I'm, I'm starting to think we know Miles Sanders is on the team. We know Kenneth Gainwell is on the team. We're presuming that Boston Scott's on the team. I'm not a big fan of him, but okay, he'll be there. If they keep a fourth, you know, it's coming down between Jordan Howard, Carrion Johnson, and Jason Huntley. I'm starting to think it's going to be Jordan Howard. I really am. I mean, Carrion Johnson, I think, is is now day to day. He he has a, some some injury bug going on, so that's going to hurt him. But and Jason Huntley has a chance because. He's 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 quick. He can return kicks. He can return punts. And if there's one thing I saw on Thursday that wasn't it, I didn't like was Jalen Rager just not catching the punt. My God, just catch his freaking punt. And he did that a lot last year, and I hated him and Greg Ward just let um, punts drop, and it was so frustrating to watch last year. We need somebody back there that's going to catch it, make a move. You know, I'm not saying we're going to get it to Sean Jackson, but we need somebody catch the ball, get a couple of yards, so that the offense isn't back up against their own goal line. Yeah, I completely agree with you there, Um, especially on like, I mean, we know how important special teams can be. The difference between making that making that catch, giving it a return or even calling a fair catch and just making the catch and mm-hmm. not letting it bounce an extra five or ten yards. Ten yards in any direction is ten yards in any direction. This is a game that usually comes down to inches. It's all about inches. So that type of thing. And that's what I kind of liked about you know, Huntley, I know that he only did kick returns, but he showed us he can, the man can burn, he can mm-hmm. run. And you know what? At the end of the day, like you said, I do believe that they're probably keeping four running backs. But my thing with the running backs is they're all going to do something good, different. So you're going to have your Miles Sanders, who's, you know, you're, you're kind of your, what we, we would call the workhorse. And you're going to have you're Kenneth Gainwell, who's clearly going to be the pass catcher, and he kind of showed some emphasis. Jordan Howard or Karen Johnson, whichever one makes it, they're known for their pass protection. They're likely going to be, and Jordan Howard's good in the short yardage situation. And then, mm-hmm. to me, the debate is more like Boston Scott or Huntley. Which one do you keep? Because we know neither will have a massive role, but it's who can bring a little bit more on the special team side. And we know last year that Boston Scott was really frustrated to watch on the special team side Very. of the ball because he has he has had his, you know, his fumble issues and his issues with even getting much in the return game. Whereas Huntley, I mean, I would like to see Huntley be put into the pump return situation. I know he did good in the kick return, um, but I'd also like to see him in the pump return. Can he? 
can he make the, at least make the catch if it's a fair catch make the catch stop the stop the ball dead in its tracks or can he turn it into something going the other way 10 15 yards or even more but Huntley really intrigues me um where Boston Scott doesn't necessarily intrigue me as much I mean I do like Boston Scott you know that we talked about it last year at length but at the end of the day, the guy is very inconsistent and he's only good against bad teams. Whereas Huntley, you he may be able to do a lot with a little. And that's the same thing that I feel with Quez Watkins. If you can do a lot with a little, you probably deserve to be on the team because you're better than somebody who will need to do less with more. Yeah, I definitely agree. And then one other person I wanted to bring up who I think is going to make the team, Tyree Jackson. The 6'7", mm. former quarterback at the University of Buffalo. I think he's going to make it over Richard Rodgers. Joe Flacco loves throwing him the ball. We know that Jalen Hurts is going to rely heavily on the tight ends. Um, we know that both um, Ertz and – and I think Ertz is going to be here. Ertz and, and Goddard have had – in the past have had injury concerns. So they're going to need uh, Richard – or excuse me, a, a third tight end that, that's going to be able to play. And, and Richard – and Tyree Jackson has real, and you're not going to be able to release them and try to stash them on the practice squad just because he's been, he's had a great camp, a great camp. And I, I think that they're going to have to, he's going to have to make the team and he should make the team. He's worked hella hard. He's looked real, he's worked really hard, has turned himself from, from a quarterback to a tight end, taking that, uh, was it Logan Thomas, um, route, the tight end for Washington when he was the quarterback at Virginia Tech. So I'm I'm very, very intrigued by Tyree Jackson, and it would not shock me if he makes this roster. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I, I mean, I've been tweeting a bit about him as some of the training camp news has come out about him. And I was a guy who was saying, like, you know, if he really stands out, he's going to make it a really tough decision at the tight end position because you know you're probably only keeping three. I find it really hard to believe even if we run a lot more 12 personnel sets that doesn't make a difference in my eyes because you know that you have two who are going to be on there for probably 75 percent of those and then the third guy is going to be that guy who kind of fills in and there was some a lot to like about Tyree Jackson I mean Joe I think it was Joe Flacco threw a pretty low pass and he made a good effort at that ball and I mean a guy like Ertz or a guy like Goddard should make that play but a guy who's just transitioning to the tight end position from the quarterback position the fact that the effort was there that he knows what he's trying to do is a really big positive um I tweeted about him in game and I did say that you know it looks like he's catching a lot with his body or he's relying a lot on his body and his hands are kind of spotty but that's okay you can work with that Tyree Jackson's a guy like I think that he's going to prove enough this preseason that you can't put him on a practice squad you have to either roster him because if you don't roster him, he will probably clear waivers and end up on a team somewhere. Because we're seeing so many more teams go this direction where it's they're trying to convert players. We tried it with Khalil Tate. We tried to make him turn him into a wide receiver. We tried it with Adrian Killens. We tried to take him running back to wide receiver. So if you can make even any remote effort to really stand out, which Tyree Jackson's standing out hu- hugely, you can't let that get away because that's like Jordan Mailata. He came over with absolutely zero experience, and he's going to be a starting left tackle. Tyree Jackson, someone who, with another, with a full year behind Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, he may make the team as a cheap option next year when Zach Ertz doesn't come back. And you're just filling, 
voids. You're you're making it so you don't have to go and address certain positions next year. And that's what this year is all about, figuring out what do we need, what don't we need, what do we have. And Tyree Jackson is something that we have and I think can be like the Jordan Mailata-like story where he could really emerge. I definitely agree there. And I also wanted to see Jalen Hurts play a little more, but once you take that starting offensive line out, you get your starting quarterback out. And the, yes, I know they haven't named Jalen Hurts the starter for, for week one, but uh, unless something dramatic happens, we all know Jalen Hurts is the starter week one. So that's the offensive side of the ball. And again, I'm really, it was really good to see Brandon Brooks. And I, I just want to touch on Jalen Hurts for two seconds there. He played like, he played with incredible poise. That's Agreed. what stood out to me. The poise in that end zone, he had 100% confidence in his line that I'm not going to get hit. I'm going to take my time. I'm going to make this throw. I feel good. And he stood in there. He looked like a franchise quarterback standing in there with such poise, t- scanning the field, looking at all his reads, taking his time, and putting all his faith in that offensive line. And he he took, what, three snaps out of that end zone, and he did not get hit. He was right there, and he did he did not get hit. The pressure almost didn't even phase him. Nope. That was good. The way he handled himself was really good, and I can't wait to see more from him. <clears throat> but I agree. You do not put your guys at risk when the seconds and the thirds come out. I think I was referencing Huntley with the thirds because his patience behind the offensive line was really nice. But it's like if Miles Sanders was back there, I'd be screaming at the TV don't be patient, run, get away from behind that offensive line. But that's another thing I liked about Huntley when he was out there with the third team offensive line that was letting Mullins get beat around and knocked around and Joe Flacco get knocked around a bit. Yes, he did. That too. But I mean, it's not like the offensive line was a whole lot better, but Huntley would take his time, find the hole and then just bolt through it, which was really impressive as well, considering how brutal that offensive line was to watch in the second half. I agree. And watching Nick Mullins was just, it was so bad. Um, but yeah, and this week, you know, practice this week, the Eagles are going to um, do a joint practice with the Patriots, but Isaac Sayamalu is back. So they'll have their starting offensive line together for the first time in what seems like forever. Uh, Devontae Smith is now day to day. He's been, he was running that practice yesterday. So it'll be, I don't know if Smith's going to play this week. I would anticipate the starters playing a half. It's different because you know, in previous years, when you had four preseason games, the first one, the, the starters wouldn't play at all. The second one, the starters would may, maybe play three or four series or a quarter. The third one, play a half. Fourth one, barely touch the field. You know, now that you only have three preseason games, and then you have that 16-day layoff between preseason game number three and the first game of the regular season, you know, we saw that the, the starters played, what, two series in the first, at least on the offensive side of the ball, the starters played – Two series in the first game. They may play a quarter or a half this week against the Patriots and then against the Jets, maybe a quarter, depending on what they do and how the offense looks. So it's, it'll be interesting to see how Sirianni handles this uh, going forward. But I do think they're going to get more out of these the practices with the Patriots and with the Jets next week than they get out of the game itself. So maybe we won't see the starters that long just because of all the tape you're going to get and all the competition you're going to get going up against another uniform during practice during the week. Yeah, definitely. I, I completely agree with that. Sometimes the joint practices are just far more effective to see and everything you want to see that you just feel confident that you can put them back out for a series or two and then just pull them off and be like, I think we're good. 
would we like to see more? Absolutely. But it's just not worth it to risk these guys, especially knowing, you know, the injury history that is there. And uh, we just can't <laughs> afford to risk that because, I mean, there's already, you know, shade being thrown at the offensive line and stuff, despite, you know, we haven't really had an offensive line over the last couple of years. Um, so health is top priority. And you can see that through training camp because they, a lot of the players are saying, yeah, the practices are shorter, but they're more effective. They're really short, yeah. but they're very effective with the time given. And there's a lot of focus on taking the time with taking time with the players and not rushing any of them back, be it Devontae Smith be it anyone who gets hurt in training camp is not being rushed back. That's why most of them, it seems like, are getting the week-to-week designation because they're saying we're not going to give away how long it's going to be, but we're not going to make them rush back into this situation. We want to make sure they're going to be 100% for week one because it doesn't really matter during the preseason. Some of these guys, it did matter for a guy like Andre Dillard to be there, to be healthy, and to play. And same with Kevon Wallace. It really would have been nice to see him be there and be healthy and play. But unfortunately, you can't get it with everybody. Agreed. And so let's go to the defensive side of the football. Uh, Javon Hargraves looked good uh, getting pressure. And we, all t- we talked about how the second year in the in Philly, I think, is going to be a lot better than, than the first year. We know the front four is, is the Eagles' strength on the defensive side of the football. Um, Alex Singleton was all over the place. Um, and again, the Jonathan Gannon was a, had caught a very, very vanilla game plan on the defensive side of the football. So I don't know if he'll do the same this week against the Patriots, and they're just holding back because they don't want to show Atlanta um, anything for week one. But it'll be fun to see – or it, it'll be interesting to see just how they're going to go up against you know Cam Newton and Mac Jones this week. The one thing the Eagles didn't do, which they have done really well you know, over the last couple of years, is against the run. They, it seemed like – the starters not so much, but maybe the second and definitely the third units. They got blown off the ball a lot. Nobody was able to get off blocks. Um, the, the Steelers were getting big yardage in the you know second quarter and, and, and into the second half. So that's one thing I would like to see them fix. And that could also be a thing of they don't they don't tackle in camp anymore. Um, and and then on you know the Eagles offensively in the game they called of the starters I think ten plays. They called one running play. Um, so, yeah, you know, that'll be nice to see um, more of a, of a run mix, a run pass mix going forward for Sirianni. But on the defensive side of the ball, you know, Steven Nelson and, and or Darius Slay gave up one play. I don't remember any Steven Nelson giving up anything too egregious. So that's a good start. You know, we needed that CB number two because, you know, we both didn't trust. Avante Maddox on the outside, Zach McPherson. We don't know too much like of how he will be. While well, he he showed some some you know signs on, on Thursday playing on the outside, there were a couple of plays that he was out of position. But that's to be expected. First preseason game as a rookie. Um, but starters defensively look good. Then beyond that is where we have to figure out: Do we have players that you know are going to be able to fill in when the inevitable injury happens? Milton Williams. He was a monster. He looked really good. Um, and the fact that he's cross-training defensive end, defensive tackle, that's going to be huge because he'll be able to get on the field being that versatile. Oh, exactly. Especially along that front four. We know how much they really rely on that front four, and they know how much there are some question marks. Derek Barnett, 
they were able to create void years, but the fact that they didn't extend him continues to, for some reason, make me believe Derek Barnett needs a really big season for anything to happen. And some of the free agent uh, defensive end signings or internally like signings that have happened between teams where they were re-signing ends makes it seem like Derek Barnett could get a pretty surprisingly healthy second deal and I just don't know if Philadelphia is going to be there to give it especially with the way Josh Sweat is looking I think that Josh Sweat and Dallas Goddard are two players that desperately desperately how he needs to get them in an office and say we are not letting you out until we get a deal and you got to try and get the deal done before they have big years because Josh Sweat is a guy who has been looking like an absolute monster in training camp Everything you hear is people saying 10 plus sacks is almost a gimme at this point for the for Josh Sweat. So it's like you got to get some of these guys locked down. Um, I definitely agree with you with the Brandon Graham situation coming up. You know, Brandon Graham is likely we owe him uh, over, I think, over 10 million dollars in dead money, no matter what, once he's gone. And that starts at, at when he becomes a free agent this year. I know how much we love to keep our guys in Philadelphia and keep make these guys mm-hmm. eagles for life, which I'm all game for. But if Brandon Graham is an eagle for life and it's going to cost us $10 million a year, I'm sorry. But eagle for life just isn't, isn't in my opinion, the route to go. If they're willing to take the eagle for life hometown discount. By all means, 100%, keep Fletcher Cox, keep Brandon Graham, keep the people you have to keep just to give you that depth across the offensive line, that experience across the offensive line, that or defensive line, that leadership. You know, I'm okay with that, but they have to be willing to take the discount. Um, in my eyes, Milton Williams was a huge, like, there's some nice plays. He did super well. He just drove, play, drove offensive linemen back into that pocket. And that is super impressive. Like you said, I love the versatility. That is a huge thing, especially as we figure out what to do um, with the defensive line. I was actually pretty impressed with some of the linebackers as well. Um, Joe Ostman as a linebacker was surprisingly not that bad. And they may be finding out. I thought they a, had him playing end. They had him playing end. They, they had him playing a bit of both. I think he played as a defense, as a, as a linebacker too. I thought I saw him because there's no way he was an edge the way he was uh, positioned in some of those plays on every play. He probably wasn't, but I did like what I saw out of Ostman, who is being listed as a linebacker. Um, and I also liked what I was seeing out of, oh man, who was it? He was playing uh, Elijah Riley. Yeah. Playing at safety. He was looking quite an interesting role. Yeah, interception, yep. He had the interception, and then the next, on Saturday, yesterday, he had a pass breakup and an interception again in training camp and stuff. So that could be an interesting decision made at safety. He's definitely taking full advantage of Kevon Wallace being out because they're both uh, safety. So that's likely where they would have been trying to see the split. And I agree with you on Zach McPherson. I like McPherson. I liked what I saw from McPherson. And if it means that he can be a slot corner, and he can be out there. He, I found he did a good job of keeping the plays in front of him. And that's a mm-hmm. big thing our cornerbacks I, have struggled with. And the one thing he also showed is, so he he gave up a play. Um, and then the next play, the, they did a, the Steelers, I think, did like a reverse or an end around. And he he made the play in the backfield. So, like, he mm-hmm. doesn't allow those – he doesn't allow a bad play to get to his head. You know, you have to go from play to play. You can't allow the bad plays to affect you. And he didn't allow that to, to affect the next. And I think it's 
I think it's huge to have him get the time, you know, to get that playing time. I get that you have Avante Maddox. I get that you have other guys who might have experience in who you really might want to try out at the slot cornerback position, but you do only have Steven Nelson under contract for one year. So the more that you can have a guy like McPherson out on that field, learning the game, understanding the game, even if he's a slot cornerback, you could next season theoretically try him out at as on the outside, or if there's an injury, uh, heaven forbid, to Slayer Nelson in season, you might be able to kick him to the outside because he's had the experience inside and he's been playing for you. So, I mean, I think the more you get these guys on the field, the better, especially because at the end of the day, you do have to make a lot of decisions or how he's going to have to make a lot of decisions on some players who are coming up on the ends of their contracts or the ends of their rookie deals. And if you have way more effective players and then you can go through free agency or the draft to address the backups or the other guys after the fact, like your depth pieces, that's probably the best way to go. What is Avante Maddox to us right now? He's either going to be a slot corner, someone who should be moved to safety where it's getting pretty crowded as people begin to establish themselves and potentially break out. Or do you just kind of let him go and some other team see what they can do with Avante Maddox? And it's starting to look more and more that way as other people emerge. These guys just aren't emerging like they need to be emerging and like they need to be proving themselves. Like, I know, like, we just talked about the offensive side of the ball, but like a guy like JJ, I think of White Sox, one target. That was it. He needs more targets and he needs he's to not do so much with it. <laughs> Exactly. He's probably not making it, but he needs to do so much with whatever he's got. He's got to catch that target. He's got to do things. He's got to prove himself. Everything matters, especially when you're trying to figure out what you got and what you can do with this team. And obviously, they're going to take the cheaper options. At this point, if Howie missed on people, he missed on people. We have to accept that Howie definitely missed on a lot of people. And he's going to have to just let it go. This can't be an ego thing. This has to be, uh, listen, I, I fudged up on Dillard. I it's I, I don't know what we're doing here. I can't continue to waste years. Jordan Mailata has got to be the left tackle. And if... I don't know what it is. Do they not want to use Dillard at left guard? Do they not want to try moving him inside? Is there a reluctance for him to move inside? Because if so, oh, he's not being a team player. Right. <laughs> yeah, there was a reluctance going to right, but we have heard from a guy like Jason Peters say it's like yeah, telling sure. someone to write with your right hand instead of your left hand after you've written <laughs> with your left hand for 30 years. Like you've got like, but a move inside to guard or even to center or something like try 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 these things and figure out what you got in the guy because if all he can do is be a left tackle he's not going to be a very effective left tackle one thing about that so playing offensive line because i played semi-pro for a while i went from left tackle i played all three i played all across the offensive line and my best position was center but when i tried to play guard compared to center it was different and going from in outside to inside it is really different so I could, and, you know, you have to have that mentality. We saw Jason Peters tried to do it last year and until he got hurt. Um, you know, I think he went the right guard, if I'm not mistaken. But, like, or, and then Diller got hurt, so then he went back out the left tackle. That's what happened. But it is it is a, men, a mentality thing, and we've seen it. Dillard is, is mentally soft, physically soft. So it doesn't shock me that he's not able to make that transition. Like, you know, Jack Driscoll – has can make that transition. He he, he was a, a tackle at Auburn and then 
he, he during um, the the pre-draft workouts last year, he was trying, he was practicing center, and just so he could be more versatile. You have to have that mentality, and obviously Andre Dillard doesn't have it. We all were excited when when Howie made that move up ahead of the Texans to get him, thinking that hey, they made a steal. Obviously they didn't. But the one thing I would keep in mind, while Jordan Mailata is going to be the starting left tackle, it doesn't hurt to have Dillard as your backup because he's still cheap for for right now. And unless somebody's going to give you a, a decent a decent compensation for him, which I doubt is going to happen just because he hasn't proven anything in this league, I would keep him to be the backup. Um, and and if, if, God forbid, something were to happen to, to Mailata, you have him as a backup now. Dillard obviously throughout camp hasn't shown he's been getting beasted, you know, by the likes of Josh Sweat, Brandon Graham, and all that. But just keep him there, let him work with Jeff Stoutland. We have one of the best offensive line coaches in the league, and let him be the backup to to, to Mayalata, and then see what you can do with him in the offseason. That's what I would do. But that's yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, as long as they're cheap, like, and they're not, you're not looking for that second contract, or you're not, they're not looking like it doesn't look like you're, they're going to be able to prove something huge to you, like. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I would keep him. I, I He's definitely cheap. I mean, it sucks that the first round capital is invested in him mm-hmm. and stuff. But at the end of the day, I mean, we kind of have to accept that reality. You you hit on some, you miss on some. It just so happens that how he misses on a lot a of lot. guys. And yeah. that that's what creates the frustration within the Eagles uh, fan base and stuff is that he continues to miss. And hopefully some of these guys this year um, through training camp and stuff like Milton Williams and and Zach McPherson live up to expectations and can at least prove some sort of semblance of success. And so far, it's, it's looking decent. I do want to point out before we move on, Jake Elliott looked amazing in that game. He did. Just saying. Did. And hopefully that can carry over into the season because the, we know how ineffective he was last season. And the punter, uh, Aaron Sipsis. Sim- yeah. yeah. He, he wasn't bad either. So, obviously, again, first game. It's only preseason. But it's a good start, especially for Jake Elliott after what he did last year. Especially, like, kicking's all about consistency. Mm-hmm. So if he's consistently hitting, that's good. It means he, whatever he did, he might have found his touch, he might have found a stroke, whatever, he, <clears throat> whatever you would call it. But, I mean, last year he just missed so many field goals and he missed some extra points and it just kind of felt like everything was in, like the new contract was, like, in his head or something. So hopefully, you know, he's kind of worked out the kinks and he can become a really effective kicker because you never know how much you might need three points or six points or however many many points he might may hit or miss in a game for you yeah definitely he's going to be a vital part for this team because if you're not you want to put points on the board if, if it's not in in the end zone and if he could we know he has a strong leg it's you know it's not the 45 to 50 that i'm worried about as much as it's the 30 to 40 that i am which is weird you would think the closer you get uh the easier it would be but for him it, it seems to be the opposite um so before we get to our defensive depth chart Give me one riser and one faller on offense, one riser, one faller on defense after that first preseason game against the Steelers for the Eagles. So we'll do offense first. You can go, and then I'll, I'll give you mine. Um, the faller for me has to be Dillard. Dillard had to be in this. Dillard had to be able to play, and it's a shame that he got hurt. And, I mean, we can't completely blame him for this, but I wanted to see if him being beat in camp – was just him being beat by pretty good edge guys, or if he mm-hmm. was just plain old, he was just not looking good. He was not good as he was out of, he wasn't, 
his techniques off his his athleticism's off his his the way he sets is off I don't know like we can't really tell people just the reports at a camp were just he was getting beat over and over and over again and it would have been nice for him to I mean the competition is base it was basically over prior to the injury but it would have been nice to see you know what he would have brought to the field see if he could have made it a bit closer see is he could have even created a little bit of value for himself because even if you could the teams need left tackles those are two left tackle right tackle very vitally important positions on that offensive line um so creating any type of value for himself would have been nice um the guy obviously you got to get on the Watkins train the quez train here um when i've talked about it from a fantasy football perspective before because people have asked me Honestly, do do you want to own a second wide receiver in Philadelphia at all? Probably not. But if you want to own one, you want to own one who's going to do a lot with a little. And Quez Watkins proves over and over again he can do a ton with a little. He can probably do a lot with 75 targets if he can make 40 of those turn into receptions at an average of, you know, 15, like 16, 17, 18, 19 yards per. He can he could be extremely effective that way. And based on some of the stuff we've seen in camp, you know, he's actually winning early in the routes with route running. He's not just burning by people. He's actually winning in other ways. So it's good to see that effectiveness as much as we want guys like Jalen Reger to work out and stuff. I just want whoever's going to create the biggest plays, who's going to boom on, on offense for us. And if that's a guy like Quez Watkins, I'm fine with Jalen Reger manning the slot and doing his thing. You can never have too many effective wide receivers. Yeah, I agree. Um, they look good. So my fallers, Nick Mullins. I know he was playing with a, with a, a third string offensive line with third string receivers, but my lord, you're going up against a third string defense. Also, he looked really, really bad. And there was a lot of talk. You know, maybe he could supplant Joe Flacco as the number two quarterback because the offense fits him. No, he he's he shouldn't even make the team. The Eagles should be looking for another th- third string quarterback quarterback if they were even to keep a third-string quarterback on the active roster, but find somebody else that they could groom, um, you know, if, if if they have to be on the practice squad or not. But, yeah, Nick Mullins just looked really bad. And if I never – and the fact that – and it stinks to see him wearing number 10 after Deshaun, just saying uh, that's disrespect to, to Deshaun, <clears throat> um, especially after uh, how Nick Mullins played. And my, my riser, I wanted to go with Quez, but you did. I'm going to go with – Jalen Hurts, and this is why. You mentioned it. He showed a lot of poise. He had command of the offense. He threw the ball away instead of taking like a 10 to 15-yard sack. Um, you know, he he hit Dallas Goddard in stride, and, and he hit Ertz, who ended up dropping one. He dumped the ball off when he needed to. He didn't – and he, kind, he was trying to run the offense. Uh, he did have that one run on third down where he ended up short of the first down marker, but he wasn't forcing things. And I think that's key because they, the Eagles obviously, I mean, they haven't named him the starter yet. So there's still question marks around Jalen Hurts. Obviously, you don't want to give him anything. He hasn't really earned anything yet in, in, in the NFL. So I think that the, that they were positive steps for Jalen Hurts in this two series. And this week against the Patriots will present a different challenge because we know, even if it is preseason, we know how Belichick is going up against you know, young quarterback. So it'll be fun to, to watch this week in practice. Um, 
you know, in the game on Thursday night. But yeah, I think Jalen Hurts' stock has gone up a little bit, and it can continue. We we know the type of person he is. We just have to see it on the field now. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, there was definitely some nice things from Jalen Hurts. But, I mean, the sample size was so small. I want to see more before I consider him a riser. But I just don't think that we'll get the chance to see as much as I want to see because of the preseason and because of the risk associated with having him on the field. I agree. All right, so defensive side of the ball, I'll start us off with my riser. is going to be, I mentioned him before, Milton Williams. Um, There's been a lot of talk about him, you know, you saw some of during the draft, some of his his weightlifting tape. He is a strong kid and he's going to be versatile for this defensive line. We know that Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargraves um, and Josh Rett, Derek Burnett are going to be on the team. Ryan Kerrigan is going to be on the team. Um, Is it going to be Ridgeway or Raquan Williams as the one of the backup defensive tackles? Williams is going to make the team not only because he's a third, third, you know, a third round pick, fourth round pick, um, but he's just versatile. He can play both inside and outside, and that's going to be key, um, you know, along John, Jonathan Gannon's, you know, front four of, of his defense, and he's going to be able to help. And I think playing alongside Javon Hargraves or Fletcher Cox or Brandon Graham will help him immensely because you're not, you're going to double team Fletcher Cox. You may even double team Brandon Graham. You may even double team Javon Hargraves. It's going to leave somebody um, available to, to to get to the quarterback, and we saw that strength and that power that that Williams has, and it, it'll be key for the Eagles this year. And my faller, Michael Jaquette, he gave up another big play, and yes, I know it's it's preseason, but and, and he has talent. He just it just doesn't seem to be working right now. And again, he gave up a big play to. Um, on a on a long pass, I, I forget who it went to, but it, he he just is struggling right now. And I thought if he could go through camp, work on his technique, he could he had the potential before they got Steven Nelson to possibly be the number two you know cornerback. But I don't know if he's going to make the team now. Yeah, for me, um, my. Faller, I mean, I really wanted to say the two that you said. I thought Michael Jaquette, like you said, there's talent there, but the guy's just, mm-hmm. when he gets beat, he gets beat on big, big plays every time. You're talking about chunks after chunks, and it's not good. Um, for me, I'll put Avante Maddox uh, as a faller because, I mean, any time that Zach McPherson or anybody else has proven more effective in, like, the nickel cornerback role or proven that they should be on the field instead of him is not a good thing for Avante Maddox because the safety room is filling up, the cornerback room is starting to fill up with a bit more quality. So the quantity isn't necessarily as important in some of these rooms in, in the past where we needed six or seven cornerbacks because we never knew which one was going to have a good week or not. So we always had, we've talked about it at length, the quality versus quantity discussion in that cornerback room. And Steven Nelson and Darius Slayer quality. Zach McPherson is starting to show he's quality. He can keep a play in front of him, even if he it lets the five-yard, six-yard catch go, if he stops it right there. That's all we want. We want they he just has to keep the play in front of him in the nickel and we are good. Um my riser, on the other hand, um, I really wanted to say Milton Williams, but I'm going to go with Elijah Riley. He's definitely taken full advantage of the fact that Keevon Wallace is not in camp and that he's uh, going through his own injury issues. 
Um, not to say that he has uh, usurped Kevon Wallace in any way, shape, or form if Kevon Wallace comes back and starts to prove himself. But we do have to remember Anthony Harris is only under contract for one season. And uh, Rodney McLeod, I believe, is in the last year of his contract, and he's not getting any younger. So if we can continue to, you know, produce some quality uh, players at their safety position, that could be a position of need slowly beginning to be addressed and not be in as much of a need. It's not something you might have to invest heavily financially in free agency or high in the draft. It might be something that can wait. So the more you have guys prove, the better. And Elijah Riley has also played. He came out of college as a cornerback. So it means there's a lot of versatility in sub packages. He could come in as a linebacker, you know, a la Malcolm Jenkins type role, kind of looking like he might be able to do that. But we also have a lot of safeties who are kind of trying to form into that type of role. But we also know that Gannon really likes versatility. He really likes those types of guys who can be moved around the formation and who he can use in a number of different ways. So Elijah Riley's proven to be that versatile and effective piece so far early on in camp. Definitely agree. Um, being able to play, <clears throat> possibly play corner and then backup safety and you know, definitely on special teams will we'll help a kid like him. All right, so <clears throat> we want to finish off this with our defensive um, depth chart. We did our offensive depth chart uh, the last time, so we're going to do defensive depth chart now. Um, we're going to start on the front four, which is the strength of the team. Uh, Brandon Graham, Ryan Kerrigan, <clears throat> excuse me, Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox, Milton Williams, Derek Burnett and Josh Sweat, I think, are the locks. It comes to possibly who could be the fourth defensive tackle. Obviously, Milton Williams is going to be a hybrid defensive end, defensive tackle. We know that Brandon Graham, when they want to go like a NASCAR package, he'll slide down the defensive tackle. But for me, <clears throat> excuse me, I T.Y. McGill had a sack, and that was because of Milton Williams' pressure against the Steelers. Um, Hassan Ridgeway has been here a while. Raycar Williams. There's also Mar- Marlon Tupolutu. I hope I said his name right. Tupolotu from USC is their draft pick. Um, this is where it becomes a little difficult. Do they want to keep their draft pick? Maybe they can put Marlon onto the uh, practice squad. I'm guessing right now it'll be Hassan Ridgeway. Hassan Ridgeway. So they'll probably keep about eight along the offense, or excuse me, along the defensive line. Yeah, I think I agree with you on there. The locks are pretty easy. You got Barnett, Cox, Hargrave, Graham, Kerrigan, Sweat, Melton, Williams. It's all about who that eighth guy is going to be. And I think it's just going to be a guy who can just a gap filler. And that's Hassan Ridgeway. We've seen it before. He's not, he doesn't flash. He doesn't bring a whole lot to the game, like from a, from a uh, statistic standpoint, but when Fletcher Cox needs a break or Javon Hargrave needs a break and they need to take a series off or they need to take a couple plays <laughs> off, Hassan Ridgeway can fill a gap, maybe even two gaps. He's a big boy and he can move downhill and just fill the gaps for you and help the edges like Barnett and Sweat and uh, Graham to get to the quarterback a little bit easier. Um, so I feel like Hassan Ridgeway would be the guy there. Um, and, I mean, the guy's behind them have played with the second teams and the third teams but none of them have really stood out like you would think if someone's gonna really really stand out they're probably gonna stand out in a big way in game action against another team's threes but no one really stood out and impressed but some of the guys could be kept for the practice squad for sure 
Yes, I definitely agree with that. So let's go to linebacker. Um, Eric Wilson's going to be the middle linebacker. Alex Singleton, outside linebacker. I like TJ Edwards. They have Janard. They just started Janard Avery. Um, at, I think the weak side, if I'm not mistaken, on um, Thursday against the Steelers. And beyond that is where I mean, they moved a couple of guys. Um, Patrick Johnson from uh, Tulane, I think that's the guy. He he was a defensive end at Tulane. Um, they, when they drafted him, they named him a linebacker. Jacoby Stevens from LSU. Um, he was a safety in college. When they drafted him, they, they moved him to linebacker. Um, again, this is where they have a lot of quantity, not much quality, while the starters, starting linebackers didn't look out of place. And Alex Singleton looks like he could be a real player um, after leading the team in tackles last year. Um, Eric Wilson was a great signing. TJ Edwards, um, who I liked when they, they made that signing a couple of years back as an undrafted free agent. Uh, we actually both like that. Jari Avery is the one I'm questioning a little bit, but I, I think he's going to make the team. Beyond that, I'm not sure what they're going to do. Maybe they wait until they see um, who comes off the scrap heat after cuts start getting made to, to fill out that linebacker room. Um, but beyond the starters is where, I mean, they also have Sean Bradley, I'm sorry. Um, he'll, he'll most likely make the team um, definitely good on special teams. So beyond those five, um, Wilson, Singleton, Edwards, Avery, and, and Bradley, there's a bunch of question marks. I really think a, a, a name that that you left out for from uh, making the team perspective is probably Davian Taylor. I think the I third for, round. I forgot about him. Did he even third, play on Thursday? I think he played a bit, but it's just a third round investment. Your investment in Patrick Johnson's a seventh, Sean Bradley a sixth, Jacoby Stevens a sixth, a lot of UDFAs. So like your investment in Davian Taylor, you have it's to assume he has to make staff. it. It, it is a different staff. it is a different coaching staff you're right um but i mean he has some sub package abilities i mean his 40 time his athleticism is incredible um so i mean it just depends how you can make him fit but i agree with you outside of like avery wilson singleton and edwards it is a crapshoot to decide which of those guys to keep and i think that that these we need to really see some people stand out in the next couple games if they want to make the cut. Guys like Joe Ostman, who's moved to strong, according to the step chart, strong side linebacker. Um, you got Patrick Johnson, you got Sean Bradley, you got Jacoby Stevens. It's going to be difficult to keep them all because if you're going to keep them for their versatility or their flexibility, they better be able to stand out because there's a lot of safeties that you're keeping for that exact same reason, the versatility and the flexibility. The good thing about a guy like Joe Ostman or a guy like Patrick Johnson is they have experience as edges as well. So if you can keep those guys as a versatile, like, you know, kind of fifth edge option as well as an outside linebacker option on certain sub package plays where you might be rushing the quarterback or something then you know maybe a guy like joe osman and a guy like patrick johnson makes sense to keep around but yeah i think it's avery wilson singleton edwards taylor and then they're probably going to keep a sixth maybe a seventh but it's going to really depend on versatility i think whoever's best on whoever's best on special teams pretty much Pretty much, or whoever can prove a versatile move move piece for Gannon. Yeah, and again, I totally forgot about Davion Taylor. Um, I didn't even know he played on Thursday. That that's how much how little he did. Um, so let's move to the secondary. Um, you want to give us who you think's gonna be on the team, Connor? 
Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, for me, obviously, you got you got the locks. You you got your Stephen Taylor, or uh, you got your Stephen Nelson. You got your Darius Slay. Um, you definitely got your Anthony Harris staying around. Um, it becomes really interesting after that, though. Like, I mean, Zach McPherson's obviously going to make the team. Um, Michael Jaquette, I'm not actually sold, makes the cut this time around. Him and Josiah Scott could really be fighting out for, you know, being that, like, fourth, fifth cornerback uh, on the roster. Um, Josiah Scott kind of, he had a couple plays. He, he looked okay in the preseason game. Um, but yeah, I think Zach McPherson stays around. Kevon Wallace, hopefully he gets healthy. He stays around. Marcus Epps actually made a list of, uh, uh, by ESPN of a guy who has a lot of potential. So Marcus Epps probably sticks around. I think Elijah Riley will end up making the cut. Um, and Avante Maddox, I feel like he's going to make the cut. I feel like he almost has to make the cut to see what we have in him, to see if we can figure out a way to use him and lock him down. Um, because this is a big year, big contract year for him too. So I think it's going to be Steven Nelson, Anthony Harris, Marcus Epps, Elijah Riley, Kevon Wallace, Andrew Adams solely for the fact that, you know, he's a special teams ace. So I think he makes that cut there. Darius Slay, Zach McPherson, Avante Maddox, and I think the fact that they traded for Josiah Scott, despite how cheap the investment was, I think Josiah Scott will end up making it over Michael Jaquette. Interesting. I, I'm i not a big Marcus Epps fan, Marcus Epps fan, but they like Oh, and Ron. Rodney McLeod. Sorry, I completely yeah, Rodney. forgot about Rodney McLeod. Yeah, if I would make it, um, he's on Pup right now, but he, he, could, he should be active and ready to go by week one. Um, I'm not the biggest Epps fan, but they like him a lot, and he's good on special teams. Um, you mentioned a- Andrew Adams. Um, He's also going to be good on special teams, so you know they'll they'll make it. Kevon Wallace will make it again. Another draft pick, uh, pick who we were both high on last year. We know Slay and, and Nelson are your starters on the outside. Um, as of right now, uh, Vontae's the starter on the um, in the slot, but McPherson will make it again. Like I don't think there's going to be many surprises when it comes to that, unless there's a somebody that gets cut that they like a lot that they're going to bring in and maybe swap out a a Josiah Scott or swap out a um, Elijah Riley. I don't think the Jaquette makes the team, so um, mm-hmm. I'm not even counting him. Uh, and Elijah Riley, who some of these guys who, who you mentioned. So it'll be interesting to see um, what they do going forward with these um, with these cuts. Because, again, they have to make five cuts, I think, by Tuesday. Then they have to make, after this preseason game, make an, like, another 10-ish cuts or so. And, and Adrian that, Killens did get waived just the yeah, other day, so they already got, made one cut, at least from that perspective. But I also think it's really interesting on the defensive side of the ball, where you go, like, do you keep more linebackers with the potential flexibility, you know, of moving them onto the edge or having them as like an outside Russian presence? Do you keep, you know, the more flexible and versatile safeties what about the linebacker like it's just so weird it it all depends because Gannon's super creative so it's like it's gonna be up to Gannon probably who he thinks he can use in the most situations so and there's been a lot of talk about throughout like the practices throughout training camp he he's been showing a lot of three three man fronts but in the game on Thursday against Steelers they showed none of it they just did a four-man front Mm -hmm. they were in base package the entire game didn't blitz didn't do anything creative so I think he's kind of holding that in so that come week one, you know, he, he could go out there and get creative against Matt Ryan. 
you know, and, and that offense. And this and, and this is where when we see what the final roster looks like and we, we look at it, we see how many defensive linemen we, they keep, how many secondary they keep, how many line, when we see that, we might get an idea of how this defense is going to get run. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I know they definitely had made mention that they weren't going to show a lot and they didn't want to show a lot because they don't want teams to be able to prepare for that. So just going out with the base package on offense and defense just made so much sense for them. And it's just about seeing, you know, who's going to step up and if they can step up in the base package, imagine what you can use them for in other packages. So I'm really interested to see going forward what they do, but I don't think that in game two or in game three, you're going to see them show any more their hand than what you saw in game one. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree. And I know special teams, we know it's going to be Elliott um, as the kicker, Rick Lovato as your long snapper, and Aaron Sipsis, Sipos, whatever, as your punter. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and then I want to know who's going to return kicks and punts. Like, I don't. I know Jalen Rager had that touchdown against Green Bay last year, but he just lets too many punts drop. It bothers me. They need somebody back there to catch the ball and get positive yards so that the offense isn't always backed up against the goal line. That's just my thought with that. But um, obviously, we've only gone through one preseason game. We'll see how it is this week against the Patriots and then next week against the Jets before we wait 16 days before the regular season opener in Atlanta. Definitely. I am so excited for this season. I My expectations are, are pretty low. I'm not one of those people who's going out there saying they're going to end up, you know, like 12 and 5 or something, you know, believing like some miracle is going to happen. And I do believe anything can happen in the NFC East, especially if you get some injuries go your way on other teams and stuff. But there's some other teams that are looking really good within the division, too. And so, I mean, outside of the Giants, I think really realistically, I think it could be really close between Washington, Dallas, and Philly. I think those are the teams to watch. There's nothing I like about the New York Giants beyond Saquon Barkley. That's about the only thing I like about and the Giants. And he gets hurt every year, and that offensive line is that, is terrible. Exactly. So I'll be interested to see how it goes. But my expectations are, you know, like sub-500 or well, you can't be 500 right on anymore. But sub 500. I'm thinking, okay, yeah, there you go. Look at that. I get, and we did tie last year, so yeah, we <laughs> believe we can't do it again. Um, but like, I'm thinking like eight, nine, and seven, and ten. And to sit there and say that would be a disappointment, I would, oh, would not, not be actually be disappointed with that because a lot of things would have gone right, and we will have a lot of answers probably solved if we go eight, nine, or seven, and ten. We will, and I think the. The only answer that the Eagles need to get, the only question I should say that the Eagles need to get answered this year is, is Jalen Hurts a franchise quarterback? Because if he is, you don't have to devote the draft capital you have next year, whether it's two or three first round picks, into a quarterback. You could build around Jalen Hurts, whether it's getting another offensive lineman, whether it's getting a defensive lineman, a corner. Um, I don't think you would get another receiver, but you never know. Like, you could build around Jalen Hurts and some of the, the stalwarts that will be here next year with all that cap room you're going to have that you can spend um, on players to, to bring in to help Sirianni, to help Jalen Hurts. That's what you that's what you want to figure out this year. Is yeah, Jalen no. Hurts a franchise quarterback? I definitely agree with you there. Like, don't force it. Don't feel the need like if everything clears with Deshaun Watson and you're seeing really good stuff from Jalen Hurts to think about giving up 
like the multitude of capital you would have to give up. It's like, is this guy going to make the biggest difference or would these utilizing these picks to fill these identified holes be the more effective approach to take? If Jalen Hurts is showing you enough, I see no reason to force the Deshaun Watson move as much as a lot of the Eagles fan base is going to want if things clear up to force that move, which it actually sounds like things we may be getting a lot more answers to the Deshaun Watson situation in the coming probably before the regular season because they are investigating um, if there is enough to criminally pursue him over the next couple of weeks uh, down in Texas. Um, I was seeing they are really looking deep into that and that will decide the direction of the NFL investigation and the NFL punishment. And hopefully some more answers will come out about that because even if he doesn't become an Eagle, it is a very intriguing saga that we have followed and would be really interesting to see what ends up coming of the entire situation because we know he won't be a Houston Texan. That's true. I mean, there's three teams I think that are really keeping an eye on the situation. The Eagles, the Panthers, and the Dolphins. Those three teams are going to, you know, keep an eye on it. And if, he gets cleared, and I mean, we know that the Panthers really don't have a quarterback. Sam Darnold's not good. Um, I like. I'm. I'm a. I was a Tua fan in college, so like, we still want to see from him. And I was a Jalen fan in college, so we still want to see more from him. So it'll be interesting to see. But as, one as other mentioned. thing, like, I listened to Andrew Brandt a lot on the Ross Tucker podcast, and his thing was precedent. Ben Roethlisberger. Something happened with the woman. No criminal charges. Six games suspension. There are still, no matter what they decide from a criminal perspective, there is still the involvement of over 20 women. There is a guaranteed suspension coming. It's just how much the NFL wants to follow their previous precedent that they say. Darius Geis, the Darius Geis situation is over. He's been suspended for six games officially. Should a team decide they want to go in with Darius Geis? Um, so it's like, if all this precedent is six games, eight games, and it only was one or two women... 20 plus women I don't see him playing this year I see almost zero opportunity for him to play this year because the NFL has to attempt to follow the precedent that they're setting but precedent setting would be you know probably like five years of suspension so obviously it won't be completely to precedent but I don't see any way he gets on the field this year we'll see um as a football player as a football player only I think Deshaun Watson is very talented, top five corner or quarterback in the league. Absolutely, hugely. It's, it's yeah, but unfortunately, situation. Yeah, unfortunately, it's not just a football situation um, that we we have to look at. Um, so yeah, that again, we're just excited. We're we're, we're thrilled that preseason football is back. Um, even if after say the, the first half, the second half is stale, boring, and the Eagles get outclassed with all their third stringers. Uh, get outclassed by by their opponents, their stringers. But we get the Patriots this week, and they they're practicing. They're having a joint practice on Monday and Tuesday before the game on Thursday. So, you know, we may not see much in the preseason game either because, again, as we mentioned earlier, you get more out of out of the practices in a situation like this. As always, please follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. Connor does an outstanding job of keeping our Twitter up to date and and keeping you guys informed of any information that's that comes out um eagle related definitely even even nfl related if it if it has a chance to pertain to the uh to the eagles or even fantasy football because again he is 
somebody that I go to, you know, when it comes to, to fantasy football. I have my draft in like two weeks, I think. Um, is it in two weeks? It is in two weeks. I might Likely my, tis the season. Yeah, my draft's in two weeks. I'm the champ. Uh, so I need to figure out my keeper within the next week. So that'll be fun. Um, you can follow Connor on Twitter at Connor 10. Follow me on Twitter at LJHarrell54. And as always, wherever you're listening to us, please rate and review the show. Um, you can always, um, you know, DM us if, if there are topics you would like us to discuss. Um, and we would definitely get them on the air. We will, again, now that the season's here, we're coming, we're coming, we're coming to you weekly. We're coming to you weekly. So be prepared for more Kelly Green Hour on the horizon. So for Connor, I'm LJ. Thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. Thank you.